0: which is the elementary school kids. And over there, um, I get to act like an idiot. So <laughs> I will try to act like an idiot for you guys today. Um, some of the attributes that come out, and when I'm over there with 252, some of, the, some of the urges that the kids feel, if you guys get any of these urges today, just know that we're completely ready to handle it. Um, and it wouldn't be the first time. So some of those urges might be, um, if you decide to look here, I got, I'm going to use you two a lot for today. If you uh, look look at each other, your neighbor, and you just decide to break out and start wrestling with each other, we're 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 used to that. It won't mess me up at all. Um, if you continually scoot scoot closer and closer to the stage until your elbows are like on the stage, I'm used to that. Um, you can even jump up on the stage and grab onto my leg. It won't <laughs> phase me. Um what's some other ones? Uh, if you, uh, oh, you randomly want to just raise your hand and, and remind everybody that you have a birthday this year at any time throughout the year, or you can just tell us about your pet, uh, or maybe you don't have a pet. Those are all very common things that we get over there. So so that's one of the things as I'm talking, uh, and, and I'm the storyteller over there, so that's my goal for today is really just tell a story for you guys. But if you get any of those urges, you know, feel free to So just let it bubble out. We'll be fine. Um, One of the things that I do love about being over in 252 with these elementary school kids is when they come back to us on um, Sunday morning and they're super excited to share with us something that they did throughout the week to share Jesus. So one of the the key things that we focus on over there is sharing Jesus' love through kindness. And we remind those kids that, All their friends, they know they go to church. And some of their friends never go to church. And so the only Jesus they see throughout the week is through, like, what they do. And so they'll come in every now and then on a Sunday and be like, Oh, Mr. Todd, Mr. Todd, I got to share a cookie with one of my friends. You know, they they didn't have a cookie, and I was able to share that. Or or I, I was able to help somebody, you know, their shoes were untied, and they couldn't tie them, and so I was able to do that. And they're super excited because they're able to share with us like, the ways that they show Jesus to their friends. And that's, that's why I do that over there. It's so exciting. Um, and that's actually how today's story is going to end, is that the people were so excited to share Jesus that they ran miles and miles in the dark to do it. So that's, that's where we're going to pick up um, today. And so the, uh, the story that I'm going to tell is a unique one. So there's the typical four Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? And those books all kind of shadow each other. So they all tell the the similar stories from maybe different points of view or some add a little bit more information than the other ones or uh, just little nuggets of information. Well, today's lesson is going to be from Luke, and it's only found in Luke. So you know it's a unique aspect in itself. So it's Luke chapter 24, and it's verses 13 through 30 is what we're going to talk about. So let's read the first one, um, verse 13, and it says, Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So this one verse packs in, it sets up the whole uh, story for us. The who, why, who, what, when, why. So the who, the who is two disciples. These are two followers of Jesus. So... um, Jesus was in Jerusalem, you know, and he had tons of followers, right? And so two of them, uh, that's what this story is about. And in a little bit, it'll tell us one of their names, and his name is Cleopas. But it doesn't have any recollection of who the other person is. And I think it does that on purpose. My reasoning, and again, I'm not like, uh, I have not uh, gone to ministry school or anything, so um, my gut tells me that the Bible does this on purpose, God wants us to be the other person in this story, so you 'll hear me today say a lot of Cleopas and me or, or or you. We need to put ourselves as the other person in this story. So what were these two doing? Well, they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem, and um, I think on the next side, does it have a map on the next one? Awesome. Which conveniently is about the same distance from a walk from Elgin to Lugoth. So why does the Bible tell us how far this is? You, you know, it doesn't talk about when um, they, Moses opened the, the sea and they walked through the sea. It doesn't tell us how far of a walk that was. Um, so, but it mentions the distance here. Because that's going to come into play a little bit later. Again, this is setting up the story. So if they were just w- going to walk. Now, you notice I didn't walk down the Highway 1 because that's just like suicidal. So I kind of <laughs> took the like Wildwood route around. Um, but it was about, uh, this is perfect mileage. It says seven, eight miles. And um, it's about a two and a half hour walk if you just, if you just head straight there, okay? So um, we'll, we'll bring that back in. But the distance was an important part. And so when was this happening? It says, this same day. What is the same day? Last week after church, we went home and we uh, threw on some comfortable shoes. I think I actually put on my flip-flops. And we did um, Easter eggs with the kids. So that afternoon, that's when this story is taking place. It's actually the afternoon of Easter Sunday. So last week, that's when this story was taking place. Uh, And the why. Why? The reason these guys were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus was because they were completely bummed out. They have lost all hope in Jesus. They've lost all trust. They felt betrayed. They were angry. They were disappointed. And so at that time, Jerusalem was really the heart of Christianity And remember, Jesus was just crucified. So all the, I mean, there was tons of people. It was a huge event. And so they were turning their back on Jerusalem and Christianity and walking away. And so that's where our story today takes an interesting turn. Um, Have we ever asked have you guys ever been asked, if you could have sit down and have lunch or dinner or go on a walk with someone from past or present, who would it be? I know I've. I, that was kind of like one of those questions you ask when you're younger or in college or uh, wanting to get to know somebody, or at least it used to be. And I would imagine that at least half of us in here would probably say, oh, I'd want to you know, sit down with Jesus. So that's where... Um, this story kind of takes an interesting turn because we're going to see that happen. In verse 14, it says, they were walking with each other. They were walking with each other and about everything they were talking. My goodness, I was like, that does not make sense what I'm saying. All right. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still with their face downcast. And go on to the next verse, please. He said, one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these days? So what's going on here is these guys, remember, they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And this road is from like Elgin to Lugov, it's not a deserted road. It's a pretty commonly traveled one. And so I imagine that there are people there, uh, kind of like when we're walking through the grocery store, you might be walking with someone and having a conversation with them, and there's other people around that could listen into to your story or conversation. Imagine that they don't, but if they wanted to, they could just walk a few steps behind you and, and really listen in. And so that's what was happening here. And, and as they were walking, remember, completely bummed out, and they were, talking about all the events of both the crucifixion and then the, what was supposed to happen, the resurrection. And this stranger walks up to them. And is like, hey guys, what are you all talking about? So Jesus blinds them, right? He puts on a mask kind of like I would wear over in 252. And, and they don't recognize that as Jesus. So there's a couple of reasons why that, why doesn't Jesus just come out and show them that it's him right so I believe that he hides himself from them to not only teach them a lesson in this story but to teach us a lesson and we're going to dive into that but um, they ask him have you not heard about all the things that have been going on here remember this was Jerusalem the heart of Christianity all these followers that would have been uh, to put it in today's term um I'm not a Dabo Sweeney fan. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm not a Clemson fan, but I am a Dabo Sweeney fan. And I know. (laughs) Well, what I'm excited about is is Dabo Sweeney just uh, redid his contract, but there was a great little clause in there. I don't know if you guys uh, heard about that, but um, a clause about going to Alabama for a coach. So uh, it's very smart of them to put that in there, and I'm, and I'm not sure if uh, he won't break that clause. I imagine Alabama might pay him out on it, but uh, I'm getting distracted, sorry. Um, back to uh, putting it in today's terms. Um, roll Tide. Uh, we are, we are um, imagine you were in Clemson, or even down here, and Dabo Sweeney was arrested For something ludicrous, like whatever, Dabo Sweeney went to jail. And then he was going to have a public hearing. And then from the public hearing, he was sentenced guilty and being put to death in just a few hours. I'd imagine we'd hear about it, right? And it would be kind of like the talk of the town. Well, that's why these guys were so, like, are are you crazy, stranger? Have you not heard what's going on here? Like... This superstar, Jesus, worked all these miracles, and you have no idea what is going on? Are you, have you been under a rock? So then they go on, and Jesus actually asked them, what things? What things are you guys talking about? And so they go on to tell Jesus about Jesus, which is kind of ironic. Remember, they don't know that it's Jesus, and so they tell Jesus about Jesus. I'm sorry, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed and God and all the people. The chief of priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but they did not find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. See, Cleopas and his friend, myself, were completely confused. They had it completely backwards. They took this as, Jesus, we didn't see him. We went back to the tomb, and guess what? There was no Jesus. He wasn't sitting around hanging out, you know, there to give us a hug. There was no Jesus. And then the women came back, and they told us they saw visions of angels. You know, they haven't eaten in days. They've had this huge traumatic event. Jesus was put to death. They're delusional. These guys had it completely backwards and did you hear it in their testimony they were disappointed discouraged doubting the next slide will remind us what they said it said we had hoped that he was the one but it was all their hope was all gone Because it wasn't going as they had planned. See, they had their thoughts of Jesus was going to come out of the tomb, parade around the city, go to the, the priest of priests and, and be like, hey, here I am, gotcha, ha, ha, ha. And when that didn't happen, when they went back to the tomb and couldn't find Jesus, they, they lost all hope. They lost all trust because it wasn't their plan. See, they had it set in their mind the way that they wanted it to go, and it wasn't working out. So what'd they do? They turned their back and was like, we're done. We're walking away. Have we ever had a situation that didn't go as planned, at least to our plan? I know that we all have at some point in time, and I have. It was actually... Um, right before I got to meet Stacy, um, so growing up, I knew from the time that I was a, a little kid, which shows how geeky I am, but I wanted to run the business side of veterinary hospitals i didn 't really care about the medicine, but man, the business stuff like it was super i was i 'm into it y 'all and so <laughs> I knew from when I was pretty young, probably 13 or 14, that I wanted to do the business side of veterinary hospitals and run veterinary hospitals. And so back then, you had to be a veterinarian to actually own a hospital and run it. And so I I did my due diligence, and and I've only worked in veterinary hospitals forever, so I was learning them, but uh, went to college, and again, at that time, you had to be a veterinarian especially where I lived, which is in Kentucky, to run a hospital. So I went to vet school, and uh, I went to vet school for a year and a half, and and guess what, then vet school, guess how much of it is about business? Like, maybe like your last week of your last semester, they teach you like how to read a contract, and you're like, all right. So I was pretty disengaged, um, and there was this one class uh, called bacteriology, and so I wasn't very good at back tea, and I'm still not. I'm still terrible at it. But um, I remember having to take the final, and I needed a 78 in that class. Or I'm sorry, on the final to pass the class. And if you didn't pass a class, you're done, okay? And so uh, test results came back, and I got a 77. So, yeah, I was completely bummed, kind of like these guys were on the road, right? And I remember sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair with my dad. I was 26 at the time, 25, 26, just bawling my eyes out like, Dad, you know, this is literally all I've done my whole life. This is all I want to do. And uh, my dad comforted me. And see, that was my plan, right? To do it that way. And what was interesting was that God was going to fulfill my desires, but it wasn't going to be my plan. And he actually did it a lot better. So if I would have finished vet school, um, so I went to a vet school not in the States. It was um, down in the Caribbean island, which was amazing. But it was super expensive, and so like my housemates down there, who I still keep in great contact with, um, they are in veterinarians now, and uh, we would have came out of school with a quarter of a million dollars in debt. So yeah, they're still in debt. Luckily, I got out pretty early, so my student debt's paid off. But um, So that was one of the blessings that I didn't see at the time, was that this uh, amount of burden that was going to be placed on me. And... The way that it worked out was, um, now what I currently do is I run veterinary hospitals. And so, God had it in his plan, but it wasn't my plan. So, you know what I did when I, was, when I got off the porch with my dad on the rocker? After I was bawling my eyes out, I don't remember if I went back to church for a while. It was, it was quite some time before I went back to church. Maybe, maybe a few years. And if I did go... Yeah, I would come in and everybody's like, "Oh, hey, how are you?" "Oh, I'm good. I'm good." But inside I was like, "No, I'm not." I don't want to be here because my whole plan is messed up. And I think that's what a lot of people do. When when things don't go as the way that they have it planned, how they have it written up, how they think it should go, we turn our backs, right? Either we don't come to church. Or we stop coming to church. Or maybe we come to church, but we're not really here. Things can be unfair at times. So how does Jesus respond to them? Well, he responds to these guys that are walking away and just told Jesus about Jesus and how they're all bummed out because things weren't going as the way they planned. He calls them fools. Which I think is awesome. So in the, uh, verse 25, it says, Jesus said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. See, Jesus said to these guys, Huh, that's interesting that you guys have this completely backwards. That you think it's your plan that we have to be going by. So this is where, remember that timeline of how it should have just took them two and a half hours to go somewhere? We're going to see in a little bit later that it was actually sunset when they arrived at their destination. So they walked all afternoon. Instead of two and a half hours, it probably took them six-ish. And this is when I imagine that Jesus was like, you guys, are, you guys are crazy. Are you, you guys are foolish. I imagine Jesus said, hey, come on over here. Let's sit down for a second. I want to talk to you guys. I want to explain some things to you. The way that I understand it to be written. And remember, they didn't know it was Jesus at the time. So I imagine Jesus sat down with them in the dirt. And he started maybe drawing pictures, maybe all the way back to Adam and Eve. He's like, remember... When it says God breathed breath into these guys, well, guess what? That's, at at this moment in time, that's getting ready to happen, and we're going to call it the Holy Spirit. And then maybe he went on and he said, um, remember that story of Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham was told to sacrifice his only son, and Isaac had to carry the wood that he was going to be sacrificed on? It's like, does does that sound familiar to you guys? Because that just happened to Jesus. And I'm confident that he reminded them about the Passover. The last plague and the Egyptian pharaoh, you know, let my people go. And he's, the angel of death came through the town. And how did they they survive the angel of death? For the firstborn was going to be killed if they didn't do what? Sacrifice the innocent lamb and shed the blood over the door, right? Does that sound familiar to you guys? I imagine that's what Jesus is telling them. And I imagine that he went so far in depth of stuff that we don't even know. And, and ah. you know what's going to be awesome is when I get to heaven, we're there for infinity, which is just, it boggles my I mind. Mean, you know, that's something that our stupid human brains can't understand. But during that time of infinity, I'm looking forward to the day that I get to sit down with Jesus and look at my life. And it's just going to all be playing in front of us. And bad things that I had to go through, the pain, the hurt that I had to go through, that at the time I didn't understand. Maybe it was a death in the family. Maybe it was uh, I didn't get a job promotion. Maybe it was... I didn't get into vet school, or I didn't pass vet school. Maybe it was uh, some situation that you're going through, and you just don't get it. And then God is sitting there with you while you're reviewing it. And he's like, "Do do you see why that happened? You're like, no, I don't get it. So he hits pause. And he's like, well, let me show you. Because you went through this, it affected someone else's life like this. And then it affected, that person affected someone else's life. And that person affected someone, so it's this domino effect of stuff that we might, might not even realize is going on. It might be generations from now. But because we're going through certain things, he's going to open our eyes. And that's when he's, he sat down and, and spent this time. So I'm excited to, to sit down and, and for Jesus to call me a fool in heaven. So that'll be a, that'll be a good day. Um, the next verse is, I don't want to get lost, verse 28. So as they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And this is where we capture the full circle of how long that they've actually sat down and talked. I can't imagine the stories that Jesus went through with them. And so here, after Jesus explained to them and kind of uh, set them straight, they invited him in. I imagine if they would have let Jesus go, does Jesus give up on us? No, I bet he would have came back that night, maybe as a different stranger, knocked on the door. Maybe if that didn't work out, I imagine the next morning as these guys went out to maybe go get some water, that he might have met them at the well to talk to them as a different stranger. But they invited him in. And so when they invited him in, verse 30 says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him and... He disappeared. So whenever Jesus is break bread, you guys know like something cool is getting ready to happen. All right. So there's two other times before this that Jesus broke bread. The first time before this was uh, to feed the 5,000. And when he did that, he showed the disciples and all the followers that he's the king of kings. And he's going to feed his followers both physically and spiritually, until they are so full they can't take any more. The other time he broke bread was during the Last Supper. And that's when he, he talked to them and he said, this is my body, broken for you. And he did it to save us. He became that lamb in the Passover. And so when he broke the bread this time, It really brought those two events together. And he said, yeah, I'm the king of kings, and I can do everything. And I died for you, and all your sins are washed away because of that. But those mean nothing if you don't trust me. And that's what this breaking of the bread was about. Trust me. So they were blind, but now they see. It's amazing grace for you and me. The next verse, verse 30, they get up and they return at once to Jerusalem. Did they actually sit down? Remember, they've been walking all day. And do they finish their meal? No, they're like, wow, We are so excited. We got to go back and tell everyone. So they jump up. They knock their stool down that they were sitting on. They just leave it there. They bush out the door. They leave it wide open and they start running. All the way back. Like Tommy Morgan, I don't know if he's not here today. He might have been able to do this, like, without thinking about it, but I would have died. Like running all the way back, like eight miles. But you know what? They wanted to tell kids, or I'm sorry, like our kids, they wanted to tell people the good news about Jesus. They were so excited. And now they had understanding of all these other things, so they wanted to share that. But I'll be honest with you guys, being excited and wanting to go tell people about Jesus is sometimes the hardest part. They had to run back in the dark, right? They didn't have streetlights, they didn't have flashlights. I don't know how, how beaten down this path was, but if it was through the woods... I imagine it was pretty dark, so they had a torch maybe, or maybe a lantern of some sort. And how far out can you see when you have just a torch? Can you see the whole path laid out in front of you? Can you see hundreds and hundreds of yards? It's just a few steps, right? So that's an awesome symbolism of how God, we know that we want to go out and share, but it's got to be God's plans for us. And he will show us a few steps at a time, instead of us rushing out into the darkness on our own. So Jesus cared about these two people. Remember, he rose, and he could have gone and paraded around the city, right? Gone to the the priest and, and and the police that arrested him and... The people that hung him up on the cross, could you imagine me and that guy that nailed the, nailed the uh, spikes through his hands? And then Jesus coming up and be like, hey, buddy. <laughs> like, ah! But no, Jesus decided to go pursue these two people who we really have no idea who they were. We don't know what they were doing two days before this. We don't know anything about their life. But Jesus pursued these two people. And one of them is you. So there's two roads in this story. There's there's an excited road back to Jerusalem, right? And I, I feel like we are all on one of these two roads. You're either on the road back to Jerusalem or you're on the road of disappointment and hurt. So if you're on the road back to Jerusalem, God tells us to go tell others. It's not going to be easy, but if you trust me, one step at a time, go tell others. And you might be sitting out there and and, um, thinking, I don't don't know where to even start. Well, one of the awesome places to start is right here in this building. We have the nursery and Wonderland, the preschool, those kids would love to color with you. We have the 252. Those kids would love to share some crazy stories with you. We have the welcome team out front just to hold open a door and give a hug. The sound guys, the lights, the band. Like we have so much in this building. And with the new preacher and his family coming, the Tates, there's a lot of opportunity for us. So you can start here. Maybe, maybe God is pursuing you to go out in the community and share. Lugoff, Elgin, Camden. You don't have to walk the whole eight miles. But I know our community would love a hug every now and then, right? And one of the things that... Why does God put us through painful situations? He does that so you can hug others that are going through the same stuff that you've been through. Even Jesus was so much in pain. Before he even went up on the cross, he cried to his dad. Dad, please, if there's any other way, don't make me do this. He knows about the pain that we've gone through. And remember, these guys, they wanted a Messiah. That was going to save them from suffering. But Jesus teaches us that he's the Messiah that saves us by suffering. And so when we hurt and we're in pain, God is doing that. So according to his plan, he's going to put an opportunity in your life where you face someone that's going through a death in the family. Or going through not hitting that job promotion, and you're able to comfort them and show them that don't turn your back on Jesus. I've been where you're at. I've done what you've done. So maybe you're on the other road and you have turned your back. Maybe you're angry. It's okay to be angry. Maybe you have lost hope. Maybe you don't trust. You're disappointed, discouraged, Maybe you're sitting there and, and you're thinking, Todd, I've never trusted Jesus like you're talking about. I don't even know what that means to trust Jesus. Well, remember, Jesus pursues you. And Jesus died for us. And when he was up on that cross and he was bleeding, the drops that were dripping from his hand that were running down his face, he was thinking of your hurt today when he was on that cross. And all of that bloodshed covers all of our wrongs when we decide to turn and follow Jesus. So do you need to put your trust in Jesus? And if so, I'm going to pray here in just a moment. And I'll help lead us in a prayer of how we can trust Jesus. And so as we pray, you guys are going to either pray to trust Jesus or we're going to pray to Jesus, what is your plan for me? What steps do you want me to take? So as the band comes up, I want you guys to to just sit back and speak to Jesus. And it's either going to be, thank you, Lord, for showing me the way. And you'll feel that beating in your heart. You'll feel that, that feeling in your chest. You know where God is telling you to go. Why are we fighting it? Or you might be feeling that beating in your chest, and you know that it's God saying, follow me, follow me. And it's not going to be easy. You're still going to walk through the darkness, but I'll be your torch. I'll be your light. I will show you one step at a time, and we'll get through this together. You'll never be alone. So those are the two prayers. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for not giving up on us. I know, Lord, that you sacrificed your life and your blood to cover my mistakes. I know that you have a plan for me, and today... I trust you, and because I trust you, Lord, and I accept you into my life, I know that you will guide my steps, and I'm so excited to follow you. Lord, as our church here, Friendship, is getting ready to start a new chapter, as the Tate family comes in on their own road, headed here to Lugoff. Please give them comfort and joy, and we ask that you remove any obstacles during their transition. I pray that the Tates feel our love and our overall excitement for their arrival. Lord, we know that you have plans for us here at Friendship, for us here in our community, and we thank you for leading us into the chapter, into the next few steps of your plan. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.